If you have your Bible, why don't you open up with me to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to read together from verse 15 to verse 30. 30. The sermon will be up to verse 35, but we're just going to read together up to verse 30. Now, and it's our custom to stand on our feet when we read the Scriptures. So if you don't mind, wherever you are, why don't I ask you to stand on your feet as we read the Scripture together? And you can read along with me, or you can just listen. It's up to you. But I do encourage you, if possible, and it's not weird, do try to read along with me. Let's read together in Genesis chapter 29, verse 15 to verse 30. This is what the Bible says. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Silpa to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. God, I pray that you help us to be able to understand the complexity and the weight of the verses that we just read, Lord. So I pray that these verses will not just be a story, God, but I pray they be a revelation, be a word that you speak to us. Wherever we are, in, we might be in our living room, we might be in our bedroom, wherever we are, we know, God, that you are not limited by time and space. That Holy Spirit, you can work in our heart. So I ask you to do that, Lord. Use my words. Use my limited words, Lord, and make it a powerful word that comes from you and radically transform our life. You're the only one who's able, Lord. So we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So today we are in a second sermon of a six-week series that we call Love to Remember. Okay? And today, the sermon is titled, Gospel to the Unloved. So let me start with a question. Have you ever done something stupid in the name of love? I mean, raise your hand if you do. I'm pretty sure every hand should be raised. I mean, if your hands do not raise you haven't lived long enough, right? So let me be honest. I'm going to share with you one story, that uh, stupid things that I did in the name of love, but I'm not going to pick a recent one because I have a lot of story, okay? I need to maintain my dignity So as your pastor. So I'm going to 
uh, tell you a story from back in the days when I was still in elementary school. Now, when I was in elementary school, some of you know this, um, I did not look like this. I was short, chubby, and glasses, like little, little glasses, not fake glasses like now. And, um, but I was in love, or so I thought, okay? So I had a crush on a girl in my class, and um, here's the problem, though. I had one big problem, and by big, I literally mean big, okay? My problem was called Jacob, or Jacob in English. Jacob is, was a man, a god boy, who loved to bully me. And not only he loved to bully me, but he's really big. He was really big. He was really fat. He's like twice or three times my size. And he loved to bully me for whatever reason. And one day, he made fun of me in front of the girl that I had crush on, okay? At that time, I'm like, uh-uh, Jacob, you went over the line. This is unacceptable. So I was upset. I was angry. And this is what I did, okay? And I had enough. So what, this is what I did. I pushed him and then... After I push him, I move back a few steps, and then I start running towards him, and I did this beautiful karate kick, jump kick. Wah! And in my mind, what's going to happen was he will experience my beautiful jump kick, and then he will fall back, and he realized, oh my gosh, I should have not messed with this guy. That was what's happening in my mind. <laughs> but in reality, when my beautiful jump kick landed on him, he was unmoved, right? I was the one who bounced back. I fell. And ever since that day, ever since I saw Jakub, I ran and hit myself, okay? It was just a really, really bad experience, okay? Stupid things I did in the name of love. And um, I also read a one story about a guy who was so in love with a girl. So, and not long after they started dating, uh, the brother of the girl, or at least whom she said was her brother, had to be admitted to the hospital, and he needed a kidney transplant. And because this guy loved the girl so much and want to show his love to the girl, he decided to donate his kidney, okay? And later after the operation, though, he found out that the guy was not actually her brother, but her ex-boyfriend, whom she was still in love with, okay? And then shortly after the operation, she broke up with her boyfriend and got back together with her ex-boyfriend, to get married, okay? Anyone want to share their story? I mean, you, if you're married, you can tell your husband and wife the stupid things you do in the name of love. It might be the person you're married to. You never know. But the passage for today is actually one of the story of crazy things people did in the name of love. And I learned this story when I was young, okay? This is a very popular Sunday school story. But I never truly understood the complexity and the beauty of the story until I read Timothy Keller's book, uh, called Counterfeit Gods, okay? So just giving you a head up, I am highly indebted to Timothy Keller for this sermon. Tim, if you're watching this sermon, just want to let you know, I give you credit already, okay? But I'm not going to preach like Timothy Keller. No, I'm going to say things like Timothy Keller, okay? If I try, I sound dumb. He's too smart for me. So I'm going to just preach it my way. But I'm highly indebted to him. And if you haven't read the book, I do want to encourage you, uh, get it. It's beautiful. Because here's what happened. Last week, uh, we talked about the beauty and the grandest design of God's purpose for marriage, okay? Uh, if you missed the sermon last week, you can watch it online, YouTube. So we talk about how God have this beautiful design, how male and female, they complement one another, and they find joy in Christ. They come, uh, they naked and not ashamed. It's beautiful. But here's what we need to understand about um, the 
Bible, though. The Bible is extremely balanced in, in the way the Bible view marriage. Okay, so the Bible speaks both of the blessing of marriage, but the Bible also speaks on the difficulties of marriage. And here's what we need to be understand, because if we're not careful, what happens is we begin to expect too much from marriage, we begin to expect too much from relationship, and it will destroy us. So that's why today I want to show you the other side, the danger of putting too much hope in marriage or relationship, okay? The moment we turn marriage into something that is ultimate, marriage will destroy us. For those of you guys who are single or teenagers or you watch this sermon, let me tell you, falling in love is great. I mean, if you never experienced it before, you will soon, right? I hope. But um, it's beautiful. Falling in love is great. And I think it's the gift of God. God designed you to fall in love. God gave you the hormone to fall in love. But the moment we make him or her the ultimate satisfaction, it will destroy our life. See, I've seen nothing that can destroy a man's, a man's life like love, really. In my pastoral ministry, I've just seen man after man or woman after woman burned because of love. And I don't want you to make the same mistake. So tonight we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about marriage, as the difficulty of marriage. And I mean, let me tell you, man, this story is so awesome. Um, like this story has all the elements to make a great Korean drama or Netflix series, okay? Uh, probably if you're a producer, you might want to think about uh, creating a series based on the story. It's beautiful. And to make the story easy to follow, I'm going to separate into three different parts, okay? Um, the first part is the hope of true love. Second, disillusionment, disillusionment of true love. And third, disillusion of true love, sorry. And the third is the fulfillment of true love. Let's start in the beginning, okay? The hope of true love. Now, to understand the story well, we need to understand the context, the character of the story first, okay? Now, the main character is the man by the name of Jacob. Who is Jacob? Now, Jacob is the son, was the son of Isaac and Rebekah. And that means, if you do not know, that means Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. I'm sure you have heard that name before, Abraham. Father Abraham have many sons. Remember that song? Your Sunday school teacher lied to you. Abraham does not have many sons. Anyway, I digress. Continue. So, when God made a promise to Abraham, God says this, Abraham, out of your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. With another word, there's a, this beautiful promise. In fact, if you look at the whole of book of Genesis, God is saying to Abraham and descendant, basically, that out of your descendant, I'm going to save the whole world. And we know that the promise was first given to Eve, that out of Eve's offspring will come someone who crushes seven heads. Last week's sermon. So now God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, out of your descendants, that offspring, or that, that the person that we know as the Messiah, the seed of the woman, will come forth. So here's what happened. That means in every generation, there'll be someone who carry that seed. There'll be someone who will carry that blessing. There'll be someone who will carry that seed until it comes to fruition. And the question is, who will carry that, okay? Who will carry that blessing? Because someone out of Abraham's descendant will come and save the world and eradicate all evil from the world. So Abraham had two sons. If you do not know, one is Isaac and the other called Ishmael. Which one of the two sons carried the blessing? Well, it's not hard for us to guess. It's Isaac because Isaac was the son of the legitimate wife of Abraham, Sarah. 
So Isaac carried the blessing and nourishment. However, the problem lies what happened next. Isaac got married to Rebekah and gives, um, gave birth to twin, a twin son, Esau and Jacob. So now the question is, out of Esau and Jacob, which one will carry the blessing? Culturally speaking, um, culturally speaking, the one who came out first is considered as the firstborn, and the firstborn receives a special blessing, culturally speaking. But God in His sovereignty, God has decided that the younger will inherit the blessing, that the older will serve the younger. And Isaac and Rebekah knew this. It was extremely clear. But here's what happened then. So the first son came out first. The first of the twin named Esau came out first. But then when Esau came out, Jacob, as if Jacob knew the importance of the firstborn blessing, Jacob grabbed into his brother hill. Like, no, 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 no. I want to come first. I want to come out first. So that's why Jacob's name um, is actually meant the, uh, the hill grabber. Jacob was a fighter. And another name, another meaning of the name Jacob is actually deceiver, liar. I mean, just think about it, man. Like, who on earth will name their son liar, right? Like, if you see a cute baby and like, oh, that's such a cute baby, oh, beautiful. What is his name? His name is a liar. <laughs> it doesn't sound good at all. But um, that's the reality of Jacob's life. Jacob was a fighter and a liar for all of his life. Okay, else we're about to see. So what happened is this. So they grew up, and then even though Isaac and Rebekah knew that God has chosen Jacob, but Isaac preferred Esau. Why? Because Esau was a man's man. Esau was a macho man. Esau's hobby was getting to wilderness, hunting. You know, he probably his favorite TV show is Man vs. Wild, so he's like man's man. But Jacob, um, he, Jacob was a mommy boy. He loved to cook, maybe, and probably his favorite TV show is Crash Landing on You. Maybe he watched it with his mom. Like, this is beautiful. And so, Jacob was mommy boy. So, is, uh, so Isaac preferred Esau. So one day, finally, when the time came for Isaac to give the blessing, what Jacob did was Jacob stole his brother's blessing. So Jacob pretended to be Esau. So at this time, um, um, Isaac was not able to see anymore. So Jacob came to Isaac, his dad, and said, <clears throat> Dad, I come here to bring the food that you asked for. And Isaac asked, who are you? And Jacob said, I am your son, Esau, the firstborn. And then Isaac blessed Jacob with the firstborn blessing. And when Esau found out that Jacob had stole, stole his blessing, Esau was angry and Esau wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob ran for his life to his uncle's house, Laban. So Jacob thought if he got the blessing, he got everything that he desired. But in fact, when he got the blessing, Jacob had to lose everything. Jacob lost his family. Jacob lost his home. Jacob lost his money. And Jacob thought he lost his destiny. He was an empty man. Until he saw Rachel. Okay, so what happened was, one day Jacob saw this beautiful woman. I mean, the Bible described Rachel as beautiful in form and appearance. Now, if the Bible calls you beautiful, can we agree? You must be very beautiful. So now Jacob saw this beautiful woman, and, and Jacob did exactly what every man do when they lost 
meaning in life, when they're disappointed in life, what they do? Jacob searched for meaning in life in finding true love. Someone who will fulfill all the longing and make their life worth living. Isn't that true? When you're disappointed in life, a lot of us, we run to whom? Girl, guys. Why? We feel like he or she can feel that emptiness in our heart. And that's, this is what happened. So Jacob did what, what, did what many men do to impress the girl. So he saw Rachel, and then Rachel needed help. You know what he did? He offered his help. He, oh, you need help? Let me do it. Boom. And then he would do, he show his muscle. Yeah, I'm strong, right? Check it out. Check it out, babe. I'm strong. And then he began to converse with Rachel. And um, Jacob found out that Rachel was his cousin. Now, in our culture, that's a big no already. Uh-uh, cousin, cross out of the list. But this is Old Testament, baby. In the Old Testament, when you saw the picture of your cousin, you swipe right. Uh, for those the 80s, teenagers, you have no idea what swipe right is. Uh, well, ask your ET leaders. All right. Okay, so what happened was, this is good. Cousin is good for marriage. So, well, that's making a long story short. Then um, Jacob met Laban, Rachel's dad, and Jacob began to work for Laban. And then Laban asked the question, well, you know, even though your family can't really hire you for free, how much do I have to pay you? And Jacob said, you don't have to pay me any money. I'm going to work for you for seven years and give me Rachel in return. Now, wow. This is insane, guys, Okay. If you do not know, the customary of those days is this. The bridegroom have to pay a certain amount of money to marry the bride. And the price of a bride was about 30 shekel, 3-0, 30 shekel. And the monthly wage, the monthly wage was about 1.5 shekel. Okay, so 30 divided by 1.5. So basically, Jacob only need to work for about two years, right? Yeah, we can do maths. Awesome, right? 30 divided, yep, almost two years. But then, Jacob over to work for how long? Seven years. I mean, the dude was obsessed with Rachel. Can you see it? He's not satisfied with just paying uh, two years of wages. He's like, no, seven years. I'm going to work for you seven years. Why? Because Jacob has lost everything in life, and he thought, if I just have Rachel, if I just have the love of my life, then my life will be meaningful. Then I'll be somebody. And Laban, Laban realized what happened with Jacob. Oh, this dude is obsessed with Rachel. And Laban took advantage of Jacob, okay? If you pay attention to Laban's answers, Laban never actually say, yes, okay, I'm going to give you Rachel. Laban only say, all right, it's better for me to give her to you than to any other man. I mean, this is a very fake answer. Can we agree? This is not a yes, not no. I mean, it's very fake. It's like receiving an email. Like, I'm so sure all of you. This is receiving an email that said, free holiday to Japan or free iPad. Only that next to that statement, there's this tiny, whiny asterisk next to it. You received that email before? You know what it meant. It means that the holiday, the iPad, was never free in the first place. But Jacob did not see the asterisk. Why? Because when you're in love, you only hear what you want to hear. Because Jacob was obsessed, so Jacob only wanted to see what he, he wanted to see. I mean, 
This is what love can do to you. I mean, I spoke to many, many girls, especially, who told me, or told us, like, oh my gosh, my boyfriend is just so in love with me. And yet everybody around her knew that your boyfriend is not in love with you. But you're just too blind to see that, all right? Your boyfriend was using you, but yeah, that's what love does to you. <laughs> love makes you blind. So what did Laban do? Laban cheat Jacob. Laban tricked Jacob. Why? Because this is what happened. Apparently, Uncle Laban had two daughters, okay? Had two daughters. Rachel has one older sister, and her name was Leah. And we do not know much about Leah. The Bible, the order of Genesis did not tell us much about Leah. But the Bible, the order of Genesis tell us enough about Leah to know everything there is to know about Leah in two verses, okay? It's brilliant. I mean, it's just brilliant the way he does that. Genesis 29, verse 16 to 17. This is what the Bible says. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Now pay attention to verse 17. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Pay attention to the contrast. Okay, this is weak contrast. We're told that Leah's eyes were weak. Well, what does it mean? Well, it cannot mean that Leah had a bad eyesight. Because if that's true, then the contrast will be Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel can see really, really, really far. But that is not the contrast, right? The contrast is Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel is beautiful in appearance. So what does it mean? Okay, with another word, Leah was not beautiful in form and appearance. Or let me say this way, Leah was not attractive at all. Leah was ugly. Maybe there's something about her eyes, maybe, that make her look very unattractive. Maybe when she looked to the right, the other eyes looked to the left, you know, you know, like something like that. I don't know. But she was just unattractive to the eyes. Leah was not pretty like Rachel. But we also have another hint in the story. Like the meaning of the name Leah itself, it means cow. C-O-W, cow, okay? I don't care what culture you're from. To call someone cow, that's not a compliment. Hey, cow, come here, cow. Hey, cow, how are you, cow? Hey, cow, cow, right? That's an insult. <laughs> well, if your name is Leah or your baptism name is Leah, um, <laughs> my bad, right? I'm sorry. Um, come to me for a new name. No, no, just cooking, just cooking. In fact, by the end of the sermon, you'll be glad that you have the name Leah, as we shall see why, okay? So, we have two very different sisters. One is beautiful, one is ugly. One is a swan, and the other is ugly duckling. One is the pride of the family, one is the shame of the family. If you ever grew up with a sibling who's so much better than you, you know how it feels. I know exactly how it feels, because I have an older sister, okay? And my sister, she's everything I'm not. She's beautiful, she's kind, she's talented, she's diligent, she's trustworthy, she's obedient, she's smart. Like, she, she's just the praise of everybody. And let me tell you, I, I love her. I mean, I, I whew, man, I absolutely admire my sister. 
But let me tell you, growing up with a sister like that is a pain in the butt, right? All the siblings, you know what I feel like? If you're all siblings, you know what I feel like? If you have that kind of sibling, it's just painful. So that's what happened. People always compare Leah to Rachel, always. Especially one is beautiful and one is ugly. So Leah grew up in the shadow of her beautiful sister, Rachel. And now her dad was thinking, man, how can I marry Leah? Who wants to marry this girl? No one's going to marry her. Ah, oh, I can use Jacob's obsession. Ah, this is my chance. Now, can we think about Leah for a bit? I mean, I think it's very possible that Leah loved Jacob. Why? Because why else would she agree to marry a man who's head over heel in love with her sister? I mean, Leah must have thought, this is my chance to get one over Rachel. This is my chance to finally break free from Rachel's shadow, to get the man who's opposite of Rachel, to be married with that person. I'm going to beat Rachel. This is it. This is my time. This is my time to shine. I'm going to be free from my sister's shadow. So, here we have Jacob who saw Rachel as his meaning in life. And we have Leah who saw Jacob as her meaning in life. They both tried to find the answers to the deepness, deepness of their heart to one another. Which leads us to the second theme of the story. The disillusionment, disillusionment of true love. Okay, now... Let's switch the camera back to Jacob now. In verse 20, it says this. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. <laughs> Did you guys read that? Seven years feels like a few days. I mean, how much in love you have to be with someone to make seven years feel like a few days. <laughs> wow. This is crazy. I mean, husband. Any of you want to work seven years for free for your wife? I know what's the right answer, right? If you're married right now in your living room, you're like, yes, baby. I work for the rest of my life for free in order for me to marry you. Yeah. You're lying right now, right? You know you are, okay? But, um, I mean, I knew it because I like to use this test, okay? Whenever people come up to me and um, ask me, hey, Yos, pastor, I really like this girl. Can I go and approach her? And if I think he is not mature enough or she is not ready for a relationship, what I'll do is I'll say, yeah, okay, not yet. Why don't you be a friend first for like six months to a year? Let me tell you, six months to a year and just be a friend. And let me tell you, most of the guys fail. Only, at least until today, there's only one who succeeded until marriage, only one. And that person is actually watching the sermon right now uh, with his wife in, in next to him in London somewhere, okay? You're the only one right now, still, still today. But the rest, ah, and we're only talking about six months to a year. But Jacob worked seven years for this girl. <laughs> How much was Jacob in love? I mean, Jacob was not just in love, man. Jacob was overdosed with love, overdosed with love. And then when, when seven years had passed, and Jacob came to Laban, verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I might go into her, for my time 
is completed. Did you read what Jacob just say? I mean, Jacob just literally said to Laban, Laban, give me Rachel now because I want to have sex with her. That's what it means by winning to her. I mean, guys, listen, single guys, I'm not married. But give me, let me give you a hint, okay? Let me give you a hint. No matter how much you love her, no matter how much you're desperate for her, do not try this with your future father-in-law. You'll be in heaven before your wedding day, okay? Do not try this at home. But it won't go well with you. But it shows us that Jacob was desperate for Rachel. I mean, Jacob was waiting for this day, and finally Laban said, all right, let's do it. Let's have the wedding. And um, they have the wedding. And then finally the night, after the first night, Jacob got what he wanted. Jacob slept with his wife. Jacob had sex with his wife. I mean, after seven years of waiting, after seven years of working, after seven years of longing, finally Jacob said, I got what I wanted. And then he, you know, they do what marriage couple do at night. Boom, boom. And then in the morning when Jacob woke up, oh, this is a good morning. He turned and he said, oh my God, who are you? Wait, you're my wife. Wait. How? Hmm, babe, you look like your... Wait a minute, you are your sister, you, you are not you, you're not Rachel, what's happened? And Jacob freaked out. <laughs> I love the way the Bible put it in verse 25. In the morning, it was Leah. Just like that. In the morning, it was Leah, so cool. I mean, but Jacob was like, no, this is not cool, this is crazy. What happened? I wanted Rachel. I worked for Rachel. And then he, he ran straight to Laban and Laban, Laban, what have you done to me? This is not what I agree for. This is not what I work for. I asked for Rachel, not Leah. Why did you deceive me? And um, verse 26. I, this is really deep, by the way. Laban's answer. Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. For many years, I always wondered, how can Jacob let this matter go easily? I mean, if I was Jacob, I'd be like, yo, this is violation of human right. This is not our agreement. This is wrong. You have done wrong. This is fraud. This is illegal. So what I'm going to do, I have done my part. I've done everything I can now. I'm entitled to what? To Rachel, and you give me what? This is not right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to hire the best lawyer. I'm going to hire the Thai company. I'm going to sue Laban. But here's what happened. Jacob just, all right. Why? For many years, I never understood what really happened until, until finally it struck me. Oh, this is what Laban said. It is not right. For me to give you the younger before the firstborn. Oh no, oh no. Jacob knew exactly what happened. Deja vu. Because that's what Jacob did to his brother Esau. Jacob stole the firstborn blessing. And now Laban said, That is not right. Gotta admire the, you gotta, you gotta go with the trend. You gotta do. This is the way it works, the firstborn first. Do you know what happened, guys? 
This is really crucial. Listen. Do not believe this, that sin has no consequences. Sin has its way to get back at you and hit you in the face. That is why Jacob like, hmm, okay, can't do anything now. So Jacob agreed to work for another seven years, but this time um, Jacob will receive Rachel on credit. So after the first one week of the wedding celebration with Leah, Jacob will get, will get Rachel. So he does not have to wait for seven years, but then he have to work seven years to pay her off. So that's the story. That's Jacob. Now I want to switch the camera back to Leah. What happened to Leah? Leah was thrown into a living hell. I mean, anyone feel sorry for Leah? I mean, you should, because all of her life, she grew up in the shadow of her gorgeous sister. All her life, she tried to find a way out. And she thought, this is it. This is my way out. I'm going to marry Jacob. And like every girl, she probably dreamed about being a wife to her husband. She probably dreamed about raising a family, a, a, a family, a harmonious family. She probably think like, okay, after I get married, then my life will be so much better. But now she's married, and her husband did not love her. Her husband loved another woman. So Leah was a, was a daughter who was not loved by the father, her father. And Leah was a wife who was not loved by her husband. Leah was unloved. She's the girl who is not loved. I mean, this is Korean drama to another level. Can we agree? I mean, this is extreme. Like, wow, I mean, and she thought Jacob will give her the answer to her life. She thought Jacob will fulfill her longing, but now Jacob only threw her into more chaos. And what makes things worse is this. What makes things so much worse is the person in whom she put her hope in was in the arm of the shadow of the person she tried to escape. And now Leah was stuck in that shadow for all of her life. She was in a living hell. Okay, let's hit the pause button now. I think there are two important lessons that we can learn here. The first lesson is this. All of us are seeking for something to satisfy us. Jacob thought the answer was Rachel and sex. Leah thought the answer was family and Jacob. But both were wrong. See, all of us, without exception, all of us, we have this desire, this longing uh, for us to be wanting to be satisfied, okay? And what is the number one problem with all of us? Okay, just think about it. What is the root of a husband leaving his wife for another woman? What is the root of a wife having an affair with another man? What is the root of brother fighting one another for money? What is the root of anger you feel when your boss overlooks you for promotion that you think you deserve? What is the root of parents trying to control their children's future? What is the root of children rebelling to their parents? What is the root of your anxiety? What is the root of your fear? What is the root of the emptiness that you feel inside your heart? Can I tell you the answer? You are thirsty. Your heart is thirsty, and that's the root of every problem. 
at the deep end of your heart, you're seeking for something to satisfy. You're thirsty. You try to find some, something that can satisfy you, but you find none. Okay, and this is the way Jeremiah put it. Beautiful. Jeremiah 2, verse 12 to 13. Be a pal of heavens. At this, be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And two, he was cistern for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So he's got diagnosis of our condition. Two things. We have committed to evil. Two evil. One, we said no to the fountain of the living water. So there's this water that can quench our thirst. There's this water when we drink it, we will be satisfied. We will never be thirsty again. But here's what we do with that water. We reject that water. We said no to that water. Okay, we said, no, 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 I don't need this water. That's the first evil. We have forsaken the living water. We have forsaken the relationship, the eternal, the trinity relationship with God. Then the second evil is this. We try to create system for ourselves. We try to find our own water. But here's the problem. Our system were broken. It leaks. So every time we feel water, the water drops straight away. It leaks. That's why it can never satisfy us. That's why we are looking for something that can satisfy. And yet, there's nothing that can satisfy us, which leads me to the second truth, the second lesson we can learn. Nothing in this world can satisfy us. Derek Kittner put it this way. He says beautifully, Behold, in the morning, it was Leah. This is a miniature of our disillusionment experience from Eden onwards. So, so here's what Kidner is saying. After the Garden of Eden, after sin, after Adam and Eve sinned against God, they lost that relationship with God. They lost the beautiful delight of their Trinitarian relationship. And because of that, they kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And ever since then, we, all of us are human. We're seeking for Eden. We know there's something better and we want that thing that would satisfy us. And yet, we found nothing. No matter what it is, every Rachel will always be Leah in this world. So you think that if you find the best husband, if you have the best wife, you'll be satisfied. Behold, it was Leah. We think if we have just have the best boyfriend, if we have the best girlfriend, if we just have the best holiday, the best job, the best family, the best career, the best kid, we think we'll be satisfied. Behold, it was Leah. See, everything in this world, everything that you thought was Rachel will leave you questioning at the end. Is this it? So hear me loud and clear now. Is it wrong then to desire a wife, husband, kids, family, relationship? Is it wrong to, dis- to, to desire all the good things? Of course it's not, man. God is the one who created you with that desire. But never think for one second that marriage, that relationship, that kid can satisfy your longing because you won't. See, lonely, insecure single will become lonely, insecure married people. That's just the logic. Marriage will not solve anything. Relationship will not solve anything. So the moment that we desire that thing and make it become ultimate desire, we have idolized that thing. We have made, turned that thing into bad, to evil. See, how do you know when you idolize something? 
You idolize something when you can't live without that thing. You idolize something when you know that you cannot be happy unless you have that thing. And that very thing will destroy your life. See, if you idolize your children or your husband or your wife, what happens is this, you begin to demand from them to satisfy you. You begin to demand from them to do things exactly the way you want it. You want them to do certain things, and it has to be that very thing. Because why? Because you are looking to them to satisfy your longing. And what's happened is you're going to crush them. You're going to crush your husband. You're going to crush your wife. You're going to crush your children. Why? Because no one can live without expectation. See, if you cannot stand imperfection in your relationship, it's because you're looking for something that only God can give you. So your children have to be good or else you feel like your life means nothing. For single, for single, you might desire relationship and that's good. And that's a good thing. But let me tell you, if you think that you cannot be happy without that relationship, you idolize that relationship and it will destroy you. It cannot satisfy your longing. See, every Rachel in this world will turn, in fact, be Leah. Let's continue with the story. Last thing, the third one. The fulfillment of true love. Verse 31 and to verse 35. Let me read it to you. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I'm hated, he has given me his son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. So what fulfilled the hope of true love inside of us? The answer is actually found in Leah, in what God does in Leah and through Leah. Okay, now, one of the things that Hebrew scholars notice as is when Leah referred to the Lord, he does not refer to the Lord in a generic name of Elohim, which is a generic word for God. But Leah referred to the Lord as Yahweh, which is the name of God that God revealed to Abraham, the God of promise, the God of covenant. So in other words, Leah was not just looking to a random God. No, Leah, no, there's a God of covenant. There's a God of grace. And Leah was asking, speaking to the God of grace. And yet at the same time, Leah was still using God to get what she wanted. So she gave birth to many sons. And she's beautiful. It's beautiful and funny at the same time. She, so she named all her sons depending on her circumstance. So the first son was named Reuben, it, which means, I am sin. Because she was saying, the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. But it does not work. Second son, Simeon, which means, I am hurt. So she was saying, the Lord heard that I am not loved. Surely my husband will love me now. It did not work. Third son, Levi, 
means I am attached. She was saying, my husband will surely become attached to me now because I have borne him three sons. Again, it did not work. See, let me tell you what happened. Leah was using the Lord to get what she wanted. Leah was using the Lord to get her husband affection. She desperately won Jacob affection, but it never happened. So let me tell you as lovingly as I can, okay? Listen, you can know about the Lord and still worship your idol. You can know about the Lord and still use Him to get what you really want. Knowing about the Lord does not guarantee that you know the Lord. That's what happened with Leah. Leah know about the Lord. Leah saw the Lord in some way, yet what she wanted was not the Lord, but what the Lord can give. It was beautiful about the story, though. The Lord listened to Leah. The Lord answers Leah, and the Lord opened her womb and enabled her to give many child. So she kept giving child, boom. Because in those days, having a son is, if you have many sons, I mean, you're like, awesome, awesome wife, right? So she gave it to many sons. She thought, this is it, this is it. My husband will love me, my husband will love me. Yet Jacob never loved Leah. Until one day, it finally clicked on Leah. I don't know what happened. We are not ever told what happened. Until one day, it clicked on her. It's not going to work. She tried, and it does not work. Marriage did not work. Trying to get her husband affection did not work. Having son did not work. First son did not work. Second son did not work. Third son, it did not work. Then something happened to her. Boom. Instead, she said, boom. The fourth child. Judah, which means I will praise the Lord. Something happened to her, and now she decided, you know what? Everything that I desired before, everything that I longed for before, not, none of that can satisfy me. That's why I chose to praise the Lord. And the Bible said at that time, she ceased to bear children. Why? Let me tell you, my friend, this is beautiful, okay? This is beautiful. Don't miss it. If you look to the story and try to find a hero in the story, you'll be disappointed. Because Jacob, is he the hero of the story? Of course not. He's a player. He was a player. Is Leah the hero of the story? No, she was a desperate housewife. See, if you look to the story of the Bible and try to find a hero, you'll be disappointed. Because the Bible never gives you a human hero. See, the Bible continued to give you a picture of a man, of a woman, who continued to make mess after mess, who continued to not, do not deserve God's grace, who continued to reject God's grace. Even after they receive God's grace, they do not appreciate God's grace. That is the picture of man and woman that we have seen in the Bible. But that's what's the beauty of the Bible. Because the story of the Bible is not about people who climb their way to God. No, no. The story of the Bible is about God who climbed the ladder in order to be with His people. And that's the beauty of the story, okay? And that's what happened with Leah. See, Jacob did not deserve God's grace at all. Leah did not deserve God's grace at all. Yet, something beautiful happened. Verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Let me rephrase this. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, the Lord loved Leah. And my friend, that is the gospel. See, when the world did not love Leah, 
the Lord had his eye on Leah. See, the Lord, the Lord looked at Rachel, the beautiful sister. And the Lord looked at Leah, the unloved and unlovely sister. And God says, I'm going to choose Leah. I'm going to choose Leah. I'm going to marry Leah. Leah, I am your ultimate husband. Leah, I'm the one, I will be the one who satisfies you. Leah, I'm going to love you perfectly. And Leah, I'm going to give you Judah. Now, do you know why Judah is crucial? Because Judah was the chosen son. Out of all Jacob's son, Judah was chosen to be the one who carried the Messianic seed. Out of Judah will come the Lion of Judah. Out of Judah will come Jesus Christ who will save the world. Out of Judah, the person, the fourth son, to which finally I say, I will praise the Lord. And God said, listen, Leah, because you praise the Lord, because you find your satisfaction in me, because now you look to me, I am going to make you the great, great grandmother of Jesus. And that is the story of the gospel, my friend. That is our story. See, the Bible describes Jesus as the bridegroom seeking for a bride. And the problem is there's no Rachel. All of us are Leah. We're ugly. We have weak eyes. We are all sinful. We have flaws and weaknesses. We are unloved. And yet when Jesus saw that we are unloved, Jesus loved us. When no one else wanted us, Jesus wanted us. And we, He did not love us because we deserve His love. There's nothing interesting in us that draw His attention. Nothing. He loved us simply because of His grace. So this is what Jesus did. Jesus came to us. He saw us. He became one of us. He became human. And not only that, He became ugly at the cross. He was stripped naked for our ugliness. He was stripped naked for our flaw. Why? So that you and I who trust in Him, that we may become His bride. And that is the story of the gospel, my friend. The world might think that we look like Leah. But to Jesus we look like Rachel. We are beautiful in his eyes. But that is not the end of the gospel. See, the gospel does not only say that, yeah, okay, you're not beautiful, you're ugly, but you're beautiful in Christ's eyes. That's not the gospel. The gospel says this, yes, you're ugly, but Christ who loves you is determined to love you to make you beautiful inside out. First John 3, verse 2, I love this verse. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Oh, my friend, this is the gospel. Hear me loud and clear. Okay? And I'm about to finish. Right now, we are not who we are supposed to be. See, right now, we still have many flaws and weaknesses. Right now, we're still ugly in many ways. Right now, our eyes are still weak. Right now, we have many unattractive sides about us. But listen to me. When a day is coming, when Jesus is coming again, oh, a day is coming. At that time, all our flaws will disappear. All our weakness will disappear. Our eyes will become beautiful. We will be Beautiful. All our greenness will be transformed and all we can see in us is beauty. When Jesus appears, we shall be like Him. And this is the power of the gospel. Listen, Christ does not love us because we are beautiful. No, 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 no. 
but Christ, we will be beautiful because Christ loves us. Oh, this might make my soul happy, man. Christ loved the unloved and the lovely. He said, well, you know what? I know you're ugly. I know you love, but my love will transform you. See, Christ loves us so much, too much to leave us the same. His love will transform us. See, husband and wife, well, listen, if, if you look at your life and you say, you know what? There's many things about my life, you know, wife, you know, I'm imperfect. But let, let me tell you, man. Let me tell you, there's one thing that you can tell your wife. Yes, husband. Yes, wife. Yes, right now I have a lot of imperfection in me. Yes, I can be better. Yes, I can do so much better. Yes, I know I have flaw. In fact, let me tell you this as your pastor. I have many flaws. I have many weaknesses. Maybe you wish, like, you know, maybe I wish my pastor was more kind, more generous, more, more loving. You know, I realize that I have many flaws, but here's the good news. Listen, okay? Here's the good news. One day is coming. Oh, one day is coming where I will be beautiful, where I will be perfect. I will be just like Jesus. And when that day is coming, all you'll see in me is beauty. That is the gospel. Whew, my soul is happy. I don't know about you, but I feel like praising God right now. Maybe you should try. Woo, Jesus, you're awesome. Wow. That is the gospel. And let me conclude with this. It does not matter whether you're married or single. Every relationship will disappoint you. Every hope of true love in this world will fail you. Your marriage will fail you. And the more you put hope in every relationship, the more it will destroy you. Every Rachel will turn out to be Leah in this world. Now, I'm not saying you should love your spouse or your husband and wife less. What I'm saying is you have to love Christ more. You have to put your hope in the one who came for you, in your true husband, in your ultimate husband. Because until you make Christ your true love, you will be frustrated with the imperfection of early love. Until you make Christ your true love, you will be frustrated with the imperfection of earthly love. But when you see how much Christ has loved you, you realize you no longer need other people to affirm you. You no longer need other people to be your Savior because you have the Savior. Because your joy is not rooted in what other people can do for you. Your joy is rooted in Christ. Judah, I will praise the Lord. Christ is the reason for your praise. One last question, I'm done. What or who is the reason of your praise today? Because unless it is Christ, you will wake up with Leah in the morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, and we ask that, Lord, that you make the word come alive in us, Lord, and my word is limited, but you are unlimited. So if we still seek to other things, if we still seek to relationship or work or maybe to husband, wife, or children to satisfy us, pray that you remind us, Lord, that it will be Leah. That only you can satisfy that longing. So help us to look to you. Help us, help us to find a comfort and join you. Help us to 
gaze on your love and be satisfied by your love. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.